0: Is Jesus true? Does he mean what he says? Does his program work? Does his way of life satisfy? Let's be thinking of those questions as we enter into our study tonight. We'll begin with that book of beginnings, Genesis, the twelfth chapter, the first three verses. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. As one of all testified concerning God, it is in thine hand to make great. If God should come to you as he did to Abraham and tell you that he wanted to make you great, and tell you why, so that you could be a blessing to many people, would you be willing? You know, there's something interesting about our attitude toward being great. Some people want it. It makes them proud. Some people are afraid of being proud, so they never want to be great or anything resembling it. Both are missing the blessing. God wants to make you great, my dear friend. But he doesn't want that to make you proud, because that isn't great. God had a family in heaven before the creation of this world. And there was one creature that he made the greatest of anything that he had created. God made Lucifer great. But he chose to let that greatness awaken pride in his heart. He didn't have to. He chose. Isn't it too bad? But isn't it too bad when the only way God can keep you and me from being proud is to keep us so little and of no consequence what we do that we're just humbled by the inadequacy and the lack of results of our lives. Isn't that too bad, dear friend? Can you live with greatness? Do you know what it's for? you know where it comes from? Do you know how to relate to it? Joseph didn't get proud. God made him great before that nation of Egypt. He saved the lives of millions of people, great in the sight of the Lord and in the sight of men. But it never made him proud. Why? Because he could say from his heart to Pharaoh, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Them that honor me I will honor, says God. Daniel was great, so great that the king of Babylon got off his throne and got down before him in acknowledging the greatness of Daniel and the greatness of the God he worshipped. But Daniel could say from his heart, this thing hasn't been revealed to me for anything that I have more than others. But God wants to give you, King Nebuchadnezzar, the answer to your questions and problems. Dear friends, when God can teach us to accept greatness without it making us proud, there's no limit to what he's waiting to do with the remnant. And many a lad of today growing up as did Daniel in his Judean home studying God's word in his works and learning the lessons of faithful service, will yet stand in legislative assemblies, in halls of justice, or in royal courts, as a witness for the King of Kings. But it's not going to make them proud, not exalt them. They are going to take those opportunities and use them to exalt God and Jesus Christ, whom he sent. So let us, as men of God have done with lesser things, let us enter in to God's purpose, and let him do with us what he longs to do. I will make of thee a great nation, and thou shalt be a blessing. Well, you remember that it took a long time to work out the plan that God had. But Abraham is remembered for his faith. He believed God's promise. And in recognition of that, God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And Abraham means the father of a great multitude. What a wonderful expression of faith that Abraham accepted that name. Contrary to all appearances, contrary to what people would expect, Abraham became eventually the father of the ancestor, not only of millions of people, but of the Messiah, who, according to the flesh, was born of the seed of Abraham. Let's turn over to Deuteronomy. Several hundred years later, after the time of Abraham, Moses is rehearsing to the descendants of this man of faith, the history of God's dealing with them. Turn to the eighth chapter of Deuteronomy, second verse. Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee. Again and again in the Bible, we see the dear Lord through his prophets seeking to keep alive the memories of his leaving, that they might learn precious lessons. Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. They were to be humble, but they weren't to be inconsequential in their influence. No. Let's turn back here to the sixth chapter of Deuteronomy. I think first we'll turn to the fourth chapter. We'll have the sixth chapter later. Deuteronomy 4, beginning with the fifth verse. Moses says, I've taught you statutes and judgments as the Lord commanded me. Sixth verse, keep therefore and do them high. This is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. God's purpose in making Israel great was that they might have influence with all the other nations. He told them if they would just do his commandments, that the result of doing them would be such a demonstration that the other nations would say Israel has the best laws of any nation on earth, has the best way of life of any people on earth. And so Moses says in the seventh verse, For what nation is there so great? Israel became the greatest nation on earth as it followed out God's plans. Who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? Isn't it too bad that Israel didn't stay with those laws and statutes? But they missed their glorious destiny. Again and again they became so attracted by the customs and fashions of the nations around them that they went into idolatry, choosing the pleasures of sin for a season and missing their glorious opportunity. Nevertheless, friends, to a certain extent at different times, they carried out these principles, and in the days of David and Solomon, all the nations of the earth knew about the God of Israel. You remember that the Queen of Sheba came from a great distance to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Where did he get that wisdom? He got it from God, an answer to prayer. God wanted, through the greatness of Israel and Israel's leaders, to impress all the people of this world with the beauty of his plan and the glory of his way. Again and again in these chapters in Deuteronomy, God said to Israel, Be careful, don't forget. Don't lose what I've given you, because your wisdom is in doing what these commandments say. Your success is in doing what the law of God commands. That's what the law of God is for, is to give us that success. Seventh chapter of Deuteronomy, twelfth verse. He says, if you just hearken to these judgments, listen to these commandments and do them, then the Lord is going to do all kinds of things. Twelfth verse, thirteenth verse, fourteenth verse, thou shalt be blessed above all people. Fifteenth verse, and the Lord shall will take away from thee all sickness. Isn't that wonderful? I was reading the other day one of the inspired comments that God intended to take everybody that came out of the land of Egypt through to Canaan without one of them either getting sick or dying. That was his plan. That was his program. As I read it, I thought there is coming a time when God will produce a group of people he's going to have lived through the most awful plagues that this world ever saw and not one of them is going to catch those diseases. Is that right? They're going to be translated without seeing death when Jesus comes. It's going to get done, dear friend. Ministry of Healing, page 283. Had the Israelites obeyed the instruction they received and profited by their advantages, they would have been the world's object lesson of health and prosperity. Health and prosperity. If as a people they had lived according to God's plan, they would have been preserved from the diseases that afflicted other nations. Above any other people, they would have possessed physical strength and vigor of intellect. They would have been the mightiest nation on earth. To the extent that they let God carry out his plan, that was accomplished. To the extent they copied the world around them, they lost the blessing. Page 285 of the same book. The Israelites failed of fulfilling God's purpose, and thus failed of receiving the blessings that might have been theirs. But in Joseph and Daniel, in Moses and Elisha, and many others, we have noble examples of the results of the true plan of living. Like faithfulness today will produce like results. I'm sorry, dear friends, but we're living in a generation that wants things done instantly and cheaply. So cheap grace is bringing instant religion. But God, in this time of permissiveness, in this time of a false gospel, is bringing the everlasting gospel to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people announcing a present judgment in the balances of the sanctuary, every life will be weighed. By God's unerring standard, every life will be measured. Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him. How do we bring glory to him? We bring glory to him, my dear friends, by letting him change our hearts forgive our sins, and lead us into a way of life that brings health, prosperity, peace, joy, happiness, contentment. That's what he's waiting to do. I was thinking of that oft-quoted text ever too often, Third John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest what? Prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Material prosperity, physical prosperity in health, spiritual prosperity in salvation. Why does a person want to be rich? So he can be happy. Why does he want to be healthy? So he can be happy. Why does God want to bring us salvation from sin? So he can be happy. These things I have spoken unto you, Jesus says, that in me you might have peace. I've told you these things so that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now we're studying in our Sabbath school lessons about Job and how God gave him patience and faith to press through the darkness when he couldn't understand what was going on. But I call your attention to this, that that was a temporary situation. God didn't intend Job to spend in eternity for even a whole lifetime in that state. He was prosperous and healthy to start with, and the latter end of Job was blessed more than his beginning, wasn't it? God intends that we shall have a faith that goes through periods of disappointment when we cannot understand God's providence. But he doesn't intend, dear friends, that we shall miss the joys of contentment. He wants us to have a satisfaction with him and his way of life that witnesses to the universe and to the people around us that God is a good God and that his way is a good way. And all that God intended to do through Israel is going to do today. Prophets and Kings, page 713 and 714. Oh, I love this statement. That which God purposed to do for the world through Israel, the chosen nation, he will finally accomplish through his church on earth today. Isn't that wonderful? It's going to get done. May I read it again? That which God purposed to do for the world through Israel, the chosen nation, he will finally accomplish through his church on earth today. To them will be fulfilled all the covenant promises made by Jehovah to his ancient people. So as we read these chapters in Deuteronomy, let us remember that while they were spoken to Israel there just before going into the promised land, those covenant promises belong to you and me. They belong to us down here today. And... They were only partially fulfilled because Israel never fully accepted the provisions. But some people down here today, God's remnant church, are going to be the demonstration of full compliance and glorious results. Aren't you glad to be in that time? Now, I wonder what you're going to do about it. Are you going to wait until you see it all happen? and then want to be a part of it. You remember that a week ago, I studied with you about a man named, you remember his name? What we studied last Friday night? Noah. Noah, thank you. Now how many of you remember? That's good. We needed a little priming of the pump, didn't we? All right. Did no wait for the rain to fall or even the clouds together before he built the ark. No. And those who survive this wreckable world, those who share in the demonstration that we're studying tonight, will be those who accept by faith what God has said. Those who accept by faith what God has said. Many of you know that in the state of California, An extensive research has been conducted on the results of the Adventist way of life. And it has been found that it adds several years to the average length of life and a marked difference in certain types of diseases. But I think most research workers would agree as they look into it that this has been a program of partial compliance. What God is waiting to do, friends, is demonstrate what full compliance will accomplish. Physically, materially, mentally, spiritually. God wants to have some happy people that can testify by experience that God is good in his way of life is a good way. Have you found it so? Now I'll tell you how God works Fred. He works on the plan of a gradual development. First the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. If you and I will start doing what he makes clear to us, because we love him, because he tells us what to do, and then as fast as we see the precious results. Thank him for those, and not worry about what we don't understand. Not worry about the hot weather when we wish it was cold and the cold weather when we wish it was hot. Leave that with him. But start doing what he says and start thanking him for the precious results in health, in contentment, in satisfaction. This is what will make him happy. I was reading an interesting letter that the Prophet to the Remnant wrote to the manager of the Lomalinda Sanitarium when it was in its earliest years. This was written to Elder Burden. Would you be interested to hear what the manager of the Lomalinda Sanitarium was told back in 1910? That's 70 years ago. Brother and Sister Burden, I am very anxious that you should work with the best of courage, notwithstanding that there are those who do not speak to you the encouraging words that for their own souls good the Lord would have them speak. Yet I have this word for you. You are to press on, still bearing the Lord's message for this time. There is a great work that, with the help of the Lord, you can both do. I wish that all those connected with you were united heart and mind in assisting you in the right way by speaking words of encouragement. But so long as you keep the eye of faith fixed on your leader, you are safe, rest in his hand. I am bidden to charge you not to fail or become discouraged, Keep your hearts filled with courage, talk faith. Some are ready to speak words of discouragement. The Lord says to you, be of good courage. Walk humbly and work out the will of God. I am to say to you, there are many words of an objectionable character spoken by some who suppose that thus they can bring in improvements. But go straight ahead, following the instruction of Christ. Did Moses have similar problems back there? Did those dear people for whom he was giving his life and for whom God was doing so much, did they murmur and complain again and again? Did they thus fail in the demonstration? As a result, were there thousands of them that left their bones bleaching in the desert. They could not enter in because of unbelief. But thank God there was a generation that followed the instructions of the Lord and by faith went through the River Jordan as their fathers had by faith gone through the Red Sea. Oh dear friends, I'm thankful that there's going to be some people today that will talk courage and not complain. It'll be humble but we'll let God make them great, without it making their heads swell. Them that honor me I will honor. Turn to the fourth chapter of James, will you? Tenth verse. What's the first word? Who's to humble you? We're to humble ourselves. Is that the end of the verse? What'll happen? If we'll humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, he'll do what? Lift us up. It's much better, dear friends, to humble ourselves and let God lift us up than for us to lift ourselves up and God have to humble us. Much better. Much better. Don't you think so? I ask you again, as I asked in the beginning, are you willing for God to make you great? John the Baptist was great in the sight of the Lord. God is preparing young people and older ones too today that will do work like John the Baptist did back there, work like Joseph and Moses did, work like Daniel did in Babylon. Are we willing, dear friends, for God to make us great? Or is the only way that God can keep us humble to cause us to achieve so little that there's nothing by any stretch of the imagination to be proud about? Have we settled it in our hearts that whatever success comes from following God's way, the glory belongs to God? What do you say? Is the glory all his? Can we say with David, all things come of thee and of thine own have we given thee? Is it really true? Will you be tested on this? When somebody thanks you for something, when somebody expresses appreciation of something you've done, some kindness you've ministered, or a good meal you've cooked, or a Bible study you've given, or a song you've sung, For anything, the treatment you've given, what do you do? Do you accept the praise, or do you turn it to Jesus? Or is your understanding of how to be humble to say, Oh, that isn't anything. Oh, that doesn't amount to a hill of beans. Let's quit that, friends. If God puts in human beings' hearts to express appreciation of what God has helped us to do, Let's not depreciate either it or our Lord. What do you say? Let's recognize the goodness of God. I think it would be well for us to study various ways in which we can respond to words of appreciation. If we accept them as due to our smartness, our skill, our experience, our anything, we've missed the point. I wonder if it wouldn't be a good thing for us to think about answers like these. Oh, I'm so glad that God blessed you through this. Do you know he's waiting to do even greater things for us tomorrow if we let him? Would that be a good answer? Yes. That doesn't depreciate what he's done today. But it opens the way to expect him to do more tomorrow and gets their minds off of us onto him. Joseph did this, David did it, Daniel did it, John the Baptist did it. Remember when the people started talking about who he was and what he was going to be? He said, after me is coming one whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose, but he's the Messiah. All eyes were to be pointed to Christ. He must increase, but I must decrease. That was the spirit that made John the Baptist great, my friend. God's going to have some great men, some great women, some great young people today. Will you be one of them? So let's quit talking about ourselves either in pride or in false humility. Let's not exalt ourselves or depreciate ourselves. Let's give glory to God. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. God intends that the treatment we give, the Bible studies we give, the meals we cook, the songs we sing, everything we do shall bring glory to him. He intends that our confession of his faithfulness shall bring many to righteousness. I love that statement, Ministry of Healing, page 100. Our confession of his faithfulness is heaven's chosen agency for revealing Christ to the world. That which will be most effectual is the testimony of our own experience. But if the thing we tell about our experience is our failures, and what fools we are, probably people know that anyway. There's no use to advertise. Why not talk about Jesus? Why not tell of the things he has done for us that make us happy and glad? There's enough of trouble coming over the radio and the TV and through the newspapers and magazines. Men's hearts are failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. But in the midst of this confusion and trouble and sorrow, God is going to have a group of people that will have their eyes fixed upward and there their hearts will be shining with the glory, reflecting that holy presence at the mercy seat. Oh, friends, let us studiously avoid bringing a false report concerning God by our words or by our countenances. Let us leave the thorns with the devil who sowed them. Let us gather the beautiful flowers Let us share with others the bright spots of experience. When we find something that helps us physically, let's tell it to the glory of God. Let's not tell all our pains and aches. They're only symptoms of something which will pass away. Thank God we have a positive message of health, of healing, of joy, of success. If we dwell upon what God has promised and his experiences that he has shared with us that bring joy to our hearts, they will multiply. They will, friends. As wheat grows, as it's sowed and multiplies, as the harvest is sown again and again and again. So if we talk faith, tell the experiences that show that God is true that Christ means what he says, how happy, how happy it will make God, and how happy it will make those whose hearts are hungry and thirsty for something better than the world can give. The greatest thing that we can testify to is not material prosperity or even health. We're thankful for those blessings. the greatest thing we can testify is that Jesus has taken the burden of guilt and given us peace through forgiving our sins and accepting us as his children. We're accepted in the beloved. Let us not tell others of our failures and faults along the way. Let's tell those to Jesus and let him take them. Put them in the sanctuary covered by the blood. Let's leave them covered by the blood. What do you say? We're to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We're to testify that God is good. This is not to be something staged like an actor in the theater. Has God done something for us, dear friend? Has he taken burdens? Has he removed the guilt? Or if he hasn't, let's not be parrots And just repeat something we heard somebody else say. But let's see God with all our hearts that he will do what he's promised to do. Because he says, him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Call unto me and I will answer thee. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. Let us praise our God for what he's done. So this evening we're going to spend a bit of time thanking our Lord. And those who would like to just press up here, this whole front seat is waiting for you. And let us make the arches of heaven ring with thanksgiving. And let people on earth join with the heavenly choir in ascribing praise and glory to the one who loved us and gave his life that we might be forgiven, cleansed, blessed, and made great in his sight.
1: I'm so very thankful that God is so merciful and kind. Amen.
2: My heart was thrilled this week when I, I was on my knees praying about a verse that I had heard while the education meetings were going on, and it said, But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits and I just loved that it was like a real blessing And so I had just been praying earnestly that the Lord would please help me to know him so that I could do these, these things for him Amen. and I, I I think it was about two days later after I had been praying and the Lord had given me this promise and I was so thankful and it says and I will betroth thee unto me forever, yea, and I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness, and in judgment, and in loving kindness, and in mercies, and I I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness, and thou shalt
1: know the Lord, and I was thankful.
0: Of course you are.
1: This morning I was reading that as we mingle praise and thanksgiving with our prayers, we'll have more power in prayer. And also I want to mingle praise in my association with others. And by his grace, I want to live before you with a spirit of, not complaining, but always a spirit of courage.
3: I believe that uh, if we will get a hold of the tools from this meeting tonight, we will be getting ready for the loud cry of the third angel. This is the spirit that will bring the greatest blessing this world has ever seen. I was so thankful for the sermon that uh, the sermons that brother Acres, Acres, that's right. I wasn't here at his meetings because I was on the Lord's business, giving Bible studies. But I'm so thankful for the ministry of the tapes, so I could listen to his sermon on my way to Fort Payne yesterday, and I was thrilled with it. I catch that same spirit in this meeting tonight. The positive. And by God's grace, I don't want to complain ever again. And I want to do a lot
0: of praising and thanking the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I think Brother and Sister Porkin got the message tonight. What do you say? Did you get it, too? Are you happy? Amen. I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me.
4: Thank God and just praise Him for what He's doing in my life. And this text explains it. It says in Ezekiel 36, 24, and 25, and 26, says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart the, your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my degrees and be careful to keep my laws. And I just want to praise the Lord, for I see that he is giving me his spirit as I work in the sand with patience and that they too can be blessed. And I pray that the Lord will just keep me close to him, that I can follow the principles that I'm learning and be a light for him.
5: I'm thankful for the Lord. For one thing, today is protection. Another is the fact that He loves me so much that He will patiently wait. And right now, He's giving me the victories that I need, although I don't see them. The victories are there through Jesus Christ. Thank you. I received a letter today I want to read, but I'd like to give my testimony first. I am grateful that it is God who defines greatness. Some greatness is apparent, and some is inapparent. David said, Thy gentleness hath made me great. And I'm so thankful for that. I covet that gentleness. That is not unwillingness to be firm where necessary, because gentleness and firmness are not antithetical, but gentleness made David great. And I'm thankful for the text, Great is everyone that feareth the Lord. And I covet that greatness and I'll live with the Lord if he lives it inapparent, or if it becomes apparent to anyone else. But I just want to have that character that will reflect his, which I think is the greatest of greatness. I had a letter today from a patient who was with us for quite a while, uh, over a year ago. She writes from Texas and uh, says, I had a pleasant surprise. While listening to my radio one night last week, it was after midnight, I tuned into a Denver station to listen to radio talk show. I couldn't get the station in too clearly at first, but I heard his guest on his program talking very intelligently about nutrition, a health spa area, cholesterol, and so on and so on. Of course I perked up my ears, but I had tuned in at the end of the interview. I was so disappointed because the guest was so knowledgeable and kind to the people who called in for information. Then the master ceremony said I want to thank Dr. McClure from Eden Valley Institute at Loveland, Colorado, for being my guest. And this lady says, I was so pleased. I'm sure that Eden Valley was so proud of Dr. McClure, and rightly so.
0: Thank you both. Now, who gets glory from all this? Our Lord. Hear God and give glory to him. You know what David says? My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Not my apologies. Or boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. You know why the humble people enjoy that kind of boasting? They can get in on it too. You don't have to boast about yourself. You boast about the Lord. He's worth boasting about. What do you say?
3: Yes, and I would like to tonight just acknowledge and I really thank the Lord Jesus Christ uh, for the victories that He has given to me in His life, for He is my strength and my Redeemer. Amen.
1: My boast in the Lord is that when He comes again, and if I'm faithful, He'll give me a new body. And uh, those of you that have been sick uh, probably have the experience of this hope becoming very real, and uh, working in the sand, listening to a lot of stories about how people are suffering, I'm thankful that I can tell them, and it doesn't get old, that they will have a new body when Jesus comes again, if they're faithful.
0: Glory. And as they get that hope, it's surprising how many of them can get partly new bodies right now, isn't it?
1: I'm thankful for God's love, his mercy, and his justice and I'm thankful for this renewed light on humility. And whatever His will for my life, I'd like to reflect that true humility.
3: Amen. Uh, I found a very precious promise and a very high goal that we can all reach. And uh, uh, the watchbook, My Life Today, uh, goes like this. The Christian should live so near to God that he may approve things that are excellent. His heart should be attuned to gratitude and praise. He should ever be ready to acknowledge the blessings he is receiving, remembering who it is who said, whoso offereth praise glorifieth me.
0: Thank you. That's beautiful.
3: I'm thankful for many things tonight, but in particularly one thing. I'm thankful that the Lord has given me the ability to start at the beginning of a hymn and go all the way through it. Now, it will soon be uh, five years ago uh, when I became associated with with Wildwood. It was at a five-day plan, and uh, and back then, when I first uh, came here, I couldn't even breathe very well, much less get through a whole hymn. And I'm so thankful I can get through a whole hymn. It may not be on key or anything, but I can get through the whole thing and breathe. And I praise the Lord for it tonight. Praise
1: I was sitting there listening to all of these praises and, and the gratitude to the Lord, and I want to thank him tonight, and I want to thank you for an incident that happened this week with my sister. She'd been through a terrible time these past few years. She came and was discouraged. But while she was here, she decided to look for work in this area before she went back. And so we prayed, and I took her into town, and she went to two places. It was so hot. She went to two places and wasn't very encouraged. (coughs) Just before we left the house, my son said, Well, why don't you go to so-and-so? They needed help. Well, that was six months ago. It happened to be a lawyer's office. So we walked into the lawyer's office off the street two strangers and we asked them my sister asked them if they were taking applications for work and the young lady that was sitting at the desk said uh uh, for this job and my sister said any job Uh, just a job she said well wait a minute i'll be right back it just so happened that that young lady is quitting her job in september they hadn't advertised they hadn't let it be known The other girls in the office were afraid that that their boss was going to procrastinate and leave it go till the last minute and then they would all have to carry in. And to make a long story short, my sister got the job. She's had experience in this area as a receptionist for a law office. She was so thrilled. It's an answer to prayer. Folks, we serve a wonderful God.
0: Amen.
1: He loves us. He wants to make us happy. And I'm so thankful we can have communication with the one who created the heavens and the earth, and there's nothing too hard for him.
3: Thank you. I've got a lot of things to be thankful for tonight. My parents were baptized into the church just recently.
0: Thank God. And
3: uh, it's a super blessing, of course. And I'm also thankful that the Lord has lifted all my burdens, all my burdens. And I don't ever have to have any more burdens again. So I'm thankful. God
0: bless you.
1: There have been a lot of people who have come back to Wildwood this week, um, people from vacation and people returning. And it's just seemed to me tonight that those people have been like jewels that Jesus has created. And I'm thankful that he's... Uh, brought them into this message, but that He's also put them in a special place and a special time in my life.
0: Oh,
1: you. oh, how much of a privilege it has been these past years that I've been here to be able to practice these principles and to be able to witness to others. And I was really thankful for the experiences this past week especially on how the Lord's given me these little opportunities to tell people how he has helped me and how he's taken me from a life of um, discouragement and ruin and lifted me up
0: Thank God.
1: and step by step in leading me and I'm so thankful for those little opportunities that he's been given me.
3: We received some good news from England this morning in a letter My wife's mother for about the past three years has been suffering with severe migraine headaches. And she was just popping those pills every time. A headache came along and very very many times it didn't always help. But she kept taking the medication. Well it was pointed out the other day by her doctor that she was probably poisoning her whole system. So she decided she would trust the Lord. So she took that pack of medication and she threw it in the trash and she said, I'll trust the Lord to handle my headaches. And he did. And she wrote today and she was just so thankful. She said, it's been a whole week and I haven't had one trace of a headache. And I just praise the Lord for it. And so do we.
6: From time to time I've heard doctors or reconditioning guide or maybe a nurse suggest to a patient that When they start the day, they'll think of ten things that they're thankful for and write it down. But this evening, my list would be longer than ten things. I think of many things I'm very thankful for. The songs of the birds, the flowers, the fresh blackberries and peaches. And But more than the physical things, I'm thankful that the things I once hated, I'm now learning to love. The things I once loved, I'm learning to hate. And I'm thankful that God can change hearts and that He can continue to do this. I'm also thankful for this place and for the team that the Lord has sent here. David, yesterday, I received a call from a hospital in town wanting a reference on someone that used to be here a couple of years ago, and I couldn't give them the information then, didn't have the file available, and said that, well, I would call back a little later. Well, in the meantime, this individual, this um, someone on the nursing staff, called back and talked to another staff member and asked for the information was I able to find it, and then explained that she had stopped smoking just from receiving in the mail the brochures and the flyers about our five-day plans, had never attended, but just had been put in the bulletin board down at the hospital in town. And when I called back later, just before I hung up, I remembered that, and I told her, congratulations for stopping smoking. And then she began to tell me a little bit more about it, and that the last time she had smoked, I believe was last Saturday or Sunday. She didn't have any of the information about how to do it, just decided that she was going to stop smoking. So I shared with her some of the things that are shared in the five-day plan and she asked for more information about how it's done so that she could continue and, and not start this habit again. And I explained to her a little bit about our interest in preventive medicine and so forth, the weight reduction program, and she said, well, yes, I'm trying to lose weight too. So I was so thankful for what the Lord could do for her through just a tract going in the mail. And I'm sure she'd appreciate it if we prayed for her as she faces a struggle regarding this thing. And I encouraged her that as she made this choice to stop smoking, to rest assured that God was willing to help her, and that he was more interested, even than we were, to help her.
0: Um, Is there somebody here tonight that hasn't spoken? that you'd like to give your testimony of praise to God by just standing and being seated again? The Lord sees each one. Now let's turn to number 567. Now I want to give a special invitation to somebody here tonight that's longing to have an experience like we've read about in the Bible and like these witnesses have testified to. There's some burden on your heart, some problem in your life, a longing to know God and deliverance and salvation and comfort. If you'd like to respond to this invitation, come up and kneel here as we sing these words. We'll pray for you and with you, and I know Jesus will help you. Before Pastor Boykin prays, these few words to these who are kneeling and any other soul that's longing for special help tonight. Jesus says, dear ones, what things soever ye desire. When ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Mark eleven twenty four. Have faith in God. Your longing, your surrendering, your pleading, but with it, exercise faith. Not only ask for help, but say, Lord, I know you love to help me. And I know you are helping me because you promised you can't lie. Thank him for the blessing before you leave, and know that God is hearing your prayer. Will the congregation kneel with us?
3: Again, our Heavenly Father, we want to thank thee for thy blessings in this meeting tonight. We prayed for a blessing, and thou didst pour pour it upon us. There may be some here in this audience who have not surrendered all to Jesus. May they do it right now, Father. Speak to their hearts, open the door of their hearts, that the blessings of heaven may flow in. And Father, we pray that as the holy hours come upon us, we may, like Moses, take off our shoes as it were because we are on holy ground. May this be the happiest Sabbath of our lives. Prepare us for the communion service tomorrow afternoon as we meet again here. May thy spirit wash us, cleanse
0: us in the blood of the Lamb. For Jesus' sake, amen. Dear Father, we're united in presenting the requests of these who have come forward. We join with them in saying, Lord, take us just as we are. Take away the burden of guilt The burden of fear. Give us the blessing for which our hearts long. And we join in thanking Thee for answering our prayers. We're asking in Jesus' name, that name that You love to honor. And so we thank Thee with all our hearts for the blessings in Jesus' wonderful name.
3: This media was brought to you by Audioverse,